As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to this very uh, special emergency edition of Pod on the Time. My name's Taylor Payne, and I am joined by the Athletics Newcastle United correspondent, Chris Woff, and our senior writer, Mr. George Corgan. Chaps, how are we doing? What the hell has just happened? George, let's go to you first, mate. Um, I, I haven't slept a lot in the last couple of days, but I sound a lot better than you. What have you been doing? <clears throat> well, I, I, I echo the sentiments of Sam Fender on the BBC <laughs> News this morning. That was a great In interview. which he said, I am proper hungover. Um, yeah, I've got a slightly hoarse uh, throat. I'm sounding a bit gruff. But that, enough about me, mate. How, how are you? I know this is something which has been with you for a long time and you've worked so hard on this story and on, on the various... Uh, the various things along with it. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, yeah, it's not about, it's not about me either. It's about um, let's, let's, let's start at the beginning, and it's the beginning is the end, isn't it? It's the end of something. It's the end of 14 years of Mike Ashley. I mean, that's the sort of thing that I want to concentrate on first because that's the thing I want to celebrate. Yes, and um, it's the moment that we thought would never would never would never come that felt even when we recorded our pod at the start of the week when we were talking about court cases and 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 all of that and um you know it felt like it felt like such a distance away and here we are two or three days later marking the end of a, of a pretty shitty era I mean, all these things are relative and of course you know you get um lots of fans coming out at the moment saying, you're in, you're in the, you know, you're in the Premier League. You're financially stable and all that kind of stuff. But let's just be allowed to, let's just be allowed to sort of wallow, wallow in this moment a bit and say that it's just been, it's been rubbish. It's um, there've been so many contentious decisions. There have been relegations. There's been this sense of 
um, ticking along. I would love for people to read Alan Shearer's column in The Athletic today when he tries to kind of put this into context. And he says, yes, we're not Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, we're not Sunderland, our neighbours. It's not that kind of crisis. It's a different kind of crisis that we've been going through. And, and finally, it's over. And the one thing that's been completely drained out of the club over the last 14 years has been hope. And to have that... Um, to have that sort of go, or the reason for that go, is just such a big deal. And I'm, I'm, I am, you know, there's a jumble of emotions going through. I'm sure we'll talk about all this. There's a real jumble of emotions. So I do feel tired. I feel very relieved. I feel very excited. I feel conflicted and um, got all this stuff kind of going through. But yeah, just, just, just great seeing those scenes outside St James's yesterday. And here we are. Can't believe it. What about you, Chris? I still don't think it's quite processed in my mind yet. I mean, I didn't have yeah. the, I suppose a lot of people had that release maybe last night of going out to, to St. James's and the scenes were, looked absolutely tremendous and watching all the videos and things like that. Um, as George, I mean, George has worked on this story for, for a heck of a lot longer even than I have, but the last couple of days it's been a very much a whirlwind. Um, it was sort of, Wednesday morning when we got the when George got the thinking about this and I, bizarrely at the time where I first got notified I was on the phone speaking pigeon French to a, <laughs> a former French coach of, of Alan Saint Maximan I was planning to do a piece about Alan Saint Maximan what chance he had to get in the French squad and he was speaking pigeon English although albeit very much better pigeon English and my pigeon French back to me sacre bleu sacre bleu and then and George just tried bleu. calling me and I'm ignoring it and he just texted me saying you need to you basically you need to answer your phone <laughs> <laughs> and so suddenly I then pivot from that to, to all of this and then pivot. since then it's... Was it a double pivot or a single pivot? He's still pivot? doing his, his celebratory waffles celebratory pivot Every podcast has to have a pivot in it yeah. and, and this you is You are a massive pivot And the Chris. pivot we've had this week on the takeover I mean that was we didn't see that coming before Wednesday morning didn't see that coming and then suddenly it was like Astonishing stuff This isn't just this could happen in, in the next few days or week this is happening I mean at that point we thought it was happening on Wednesday night it took a bit longer oh my God. but it's just like and just so since then, we've gone from, we don't know if Mike Ashley's going to go at all. We had the cat case last week covering that. What does all that mean? And then suddenly, by Thursday at 5.18 or whenever the statement drops, Newcastle United no longer has Mike Ashley. 14 years, four months and however many days, and he's gone. And it's just <laughs> it just feels like such a release. It's crazy, isn't it? I um, <clears throat> I was quite lucky that last night, actually, I was, I was working in Newcastle City Centre around about six o'clock. So I thought I'm going to drive up a little bit early and I'm going to see if I can get parked near the stadium and have a wander around. So I went round and wandered around and the line of people outside of Tesco buying beers <laughs> was ridiculous. And I got round to the to the front to, to Strawberry Place and there was a couple of thousand people there, I would say. And everyone's just looking at their phones. And luckily enough, I was there at the moment that it dropped, that the takeover was complete. And the outpouring of emotion was just something beautiful. It was really, really amazing to see. I've seen Newcastle fans excited before because of, you know, various things over the years, but I've never seen, you know, strange grown men hugging each other in the street, women and kids crying. It was just incredible. The outpouring of emotion was amazing. And then the scenes that went on into the night were just, were just unbelievable as well. Fantastic. And we have to, you know, it's 14 years is a long time. And I don't, you know, we, we do a podcast for, for, for Newcastle fans. So I don't think we need to kind of go back through and list, no. list everything, but it's, it's 14 years. And 
right at the start of those years with the, with the, with the, was the treatment sort of meted out to, to to Kevin Keegan, him leaving the club, then taking action against the club and the club being found to sort of deliberately be misleading supporters. And, you know, that's something that's kind of been a theme. And then the way Alan Shearer was treated, brought in to try and keep the club up and then didn't do that, was described as the best decision that Mike Ashley has ever made by Mike Ashley. And then never to hit, you know, having shaken hands on a... On a deal, never to hear from Mike Ashley again. The fact that Shearer's statue is is outside the stadium. I'll come on to that, by the way. Um, you know, it's not on club land. And, you know, Chris Hutton then doing a fantastic job. Then Chris Hutton jettisoned at the front. I mean, and I'm just talking about managers here, but it could be... There's, there's so much stuff, stuff, isn't there? There's so much <laughs> stuff. And it is it is that, and, you know, the renaming of the stadium, the fact it's... Uh, you know, it's an advertising hoarding for Ashley's um, sportswear company... It's about those nicks to prestige. It's about that belittling uh, of of fans and of a club and a club's reputation, the tarnishing of a club's reputation, which had been pretty good before he came in. Let's not forget that. And for some people, for you know, for twenty year old people, this is really the only thing that they've ever known. I'm just very chuffed for them that hopefully they get a chance to see to see the kind of club that Newcastle can be. But more, I mean. One of the kind of amazing things I found about last night, and I am slightly moving on now to kind of what happens next, but one of the amazing things was to see Amanda Staveley look into a camera and talk directly to Newcastle fans. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not making a sort of judgment on what she said, but just that simple fact of having somebody at the club directly address Newcastle fans is astonishing. And it shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, we've not had anybody prepared to do that for a long time, have we? And it's uh, it, it it almost felt instantly refreshing the second that that everything dropped, everything dropped, and and the announcement was made. There was various uh, tweets and statements from PIF, and then from Stavely, and then Jamie Rubin on Twitter, and people like that. And you do get the feeling that these people are going to be more involved and more ingrained in the fabric of the club and and aligned with the fans and stuff like that than than Mike Ashley has ever been in his fourteen years of being at the club. Um, Chris, um, it's not really the time for the sort of finer details and the legal stuff at the minute, but this this must in some ways be related to the cat case at least. Well, this seems to have been going on in tandem sort of behind it. And I mean, Matt Slater on uh, The Athletic has written a long piece about because it's looking at basically what's happened over the, the course of the, of the last 18 months when we've all become uh, quote-unquote experts on Middle Eastern basically geopolitics and uh, and yeah. piracy and whatever. And he, his argument has been throughout that this was all about piracy. Now, it seems that the Premier League are, are trying to paint the impression that really this was about separation between PIF and the, and, and the Saudi state. That was what was the stumbling block and that's why arbitration was going to be happening. That's why the cat case was happening, but it just seems too much of a coincidence. And, and basically the issue with, with that anyway, was if the, if PIF and Saudi state had to go through the owners and directors test, then they would have failed it on the basis of piracy. So the fact that the be in deal, which was then yeah. the public inkling of the fact that something maybe happened, came out on Wednesday, which actually came out after George had contacted me. And it sort of was then, because at that stage, we didn't really know what exactly had happened, how this sort of reproachment had, had been reached. And I, so I, I was, I was, Sitting furtively in the car park of Jesmond Dean House on was that Wednesday morning with yeah. um with one of the people in Staverley's um uh, team who just who just let slip that um we might be on the verge of this 
kind of going through, which was uh, astonishing. And yeah, firing off messages, Chris, get the fuck off your phone. Um, uh, and then we basically our heads sort of exploded all the way through yeah. uh, Wednesday. But yeah, they've that log jam has been unpicked. It's obviously incredibly sort of technical and detail. And that's, you know, that's the other thing that, you know, we have all been, we've been asked to be experts on <laughs> on piracy, on ownership, on geopolitics, as yeah. Chris Chris says, on the on the Middle East and what's happening there. And of course on on incredibly important things like human rights and so on and so forth too, that all this stuff has felt so d- distant from our club in the middle of the city here. And then, you know, it, now it is real. And that's the kind of nice thing about it. That's the great thing about it, that it is real. And I mean, th- th- this will sound stupid to say this <laughs> in the circumstances, but if it had come out yesterday that the takeover was off, definitively off, I would have felt relieved about that too. You know, just because where we got, it, something had to happen. It had to be finished. I mean, I'm not saying I'd have been relieved about Mike Ashley still being there, but having this hanging over the club, um, was it, it, it had become a malignant sort of force, hadn't it? I think it was weighing down on everything. It meant the squad couldn't be couldn't be improved. It meant, as Steve Bruce said, that things were ticking over and so on and so forth. It had to get done, and um, yeah, but it's gone the other way. And uh, what an interesting and um, I'm sure crazy and manic manic period we're we're now we're now entering. Extraordinary. We are, um, and unsurprisingly, there have been some some strong objections from different quarters about the takeover being allowed to happen. You know, there's there's going to be many Newcastle fans who feel conflicted, and I know I'm certainly one of those who who appreciates the uh, the nuance of the conversation here. It'll be important to be graceful and and not get defensive, and and you know there are going to be people who are who are questioning the fans and who are wanting answers. These questions are sincere and almost they're all rightly held concerns. It's interesting at the minute, Newcastle fans are now suddenly thrust into the spotlight and being asked about human rights issues and stuff like that. And we have to be very careful and we have to uh, we have to try and, like we say, be graceful about this. It's going to be an interesting few months for Newcastle fans now. On the one hand, we're going to be so overjoyed and happy about this takeover finally going through. But there is concerns there, George, aren't there? Yeah, and this will be the you know this will be a big part of the 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 narrative of the club moving forward. So we better we better kind of get used to that. And I agree. I mean, <clears throat> Alan Shearer has written a column for us about precisely this subject, this this idea of feeling and meaning and being um, both excited and tired and relieved and conflicted all at the same time. So I would urge people to, to sort of read that. It kind of sums up how I feel, really. We've got a little quote from that as well, if you, if I can just read that from Shira, which was, Go on. yeah. Saudi Arabia invest in all kinds of businesses in this country in a variety of sports worldwide. It was only a matter of time before they turned to football. Uh, they turned to Newcastle, and I'm excited about that prospect, as well as conflicted. I want my team to compete and to challenge, and I want my club to mean something beyond this sullen, awkward, grumpy existence. Strong words, um, but balanced and and thoughtful as well from Alan Shearer there. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've I've, you know, my understanding of Saudi human rights atrocities has um, has certainly become more uh, profound since this whole process started. I mean, I knew I knew you know I, I like to think of myself as sort of reasonably well read and uh, trying to keep on touch of things, but you know, actually, this version of the takeover. 
uh, starting all that time ago has really sort of opened my eyes to it. And I would I would urge people to to be educated and to to understand Absolutely. and to read. There are you know there are, there is there are sort of things to say around the edges of that that I agree with you, Taylor. It's sort of a very strange situation when sort of in every interview that we're seeing and reading Newcastle fans are kind of almost being asked to defend Saudi human rights and it's a it's 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 a peculiar situation that that the people who've had absolutely no say whatsoever in a transaction between one billionaire and considerably richer billionaires are sort of now being asked to be so, you know, moral arbiters. Now, I know that in 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 all the evidence we've got, whether that's polls by the Newcastle United Supporters Trust or, or you know, or the evidence of our eyes of people being very happy outside the stadium, that people are in favour of this takeover. But at the same time, um, again, another, another thing to say is that as far as I'm aware, you know, my reading of the subject, and Shira mentions this as well, is that human rights haven't been part of the owners and directors test in a substantive way you know that that's not the reason why this deal has been snarled up that's not the reason why it's taken so long to get to the end of this saga um yes it's been a discussion and very um impassioned and heated and uh, discussion around the deal but that's not been part of the owners and directors test now to my mind should ethical and moral issues be part of the owners and directors test i think they should but they haven't been, and so on the on, on the way that deals are structured and and so on and so forth. Newcastle have got through it. I mean, it's taken a long time, but they've got through it. You, you know, the other thing that I would say, and again that, that that Shearer has said, is that you know, if this is unacceptable to people, if this is the line in the sand for people, I would absolutely hold my hands up and say that I accept that and respect that. Yeah. But you know that there have been other lines that have been crossed previously, and you can look to the past in the Premier League, and you can look at. Russian ownership, you can look at Chinese involvement, you can look at uh, Americans using a club's money to buy a club. And, you know, there is other sovereign wealth in the in the Premier League and in terms of Man City, of course. And I, again, I, I sort of understand Newcastle fans looking at this situation and saying, well, those things have happened and this is our turn now. You know, this is our turn to have some investment. So, yeah, I'm, I've kind of I've waffled on there. But I mean, I... I do want us to be mindful. I'm, I'm, I certainly will be. We need to be respectful. I was reassured what Amanda Staveley said last night about um, inclusion and diversity and keeping up the great work of, of, of anti-racism that the club's been part of, that they want to fund the women's team and will continue the work of the foundation. That All that kind of stuff is, re- is, is, you know, is, is what I want to hear and is reassuring. But yeah, we have to be, we have to be respectful. And I, and I just would urge everybody to, to read up and to be mindful of this very complicated situation. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, other than a, than a really brief press release, there, there hasn't really been anything from the Premier League on this, has there? Uh, and nothing specifically addressing the issues. Well, that's been the case throughout this whole thing, really, hasn't it? I mean, that's that's been part of part of the issue. Uh, they they will they will point to confidentiality and they will point to the fact that it's now closed. I mean, this is George is right. There is nothing seemingly material in the owners and directors test about the, the morals and ethics of this. I feel very conflicted about this, but I don't think there is anything. And I tweeted this yesterday. I don't think there is anything mutually exclusive about feeling conflicted while also feeling relieved and overjoyed that Mike Ashley's gone and also even looking forward to the fact that your football club may have some ambition again and may be competitive but in terms of the Premier League 
this process, I still, and I know that many people may think, just want to move on from it and just go into the fact, but I do think that this shows the issues within football still. This happened to Newcastle United. It could happen to other clubs. It could happen to Newcastle United again in the future. That there was an 18 months where really we still haven't got the answers of what's happened over those 18 months. We had a cat case last Wednesday where the the Premier League are saying that the, the, the takeover might happen in January at arbitration. Mike Ashley's lawyers arguing that the owners have yeah. potentially walked away. And then by the following Thursday, the club has been taken over in exactly the same manner. It just seems to be a very, very frustrating yeah. situation, which is, is eventually delivered the takeover that, that the overwhelming number of fans, at least from the surveys that we have, wanted in terms of certainly wanting rid of Mike Ashley and seemed in favour of this takeover. But the whole process has been draining. And I do think it's been damaging for the club in the meantime. We've almost forgotten in all of this that Newcastle United are second bottom of the Premier League. They haven't won any of the opening eight games. They've won seven of the last 37. This is what we've been talking about in all previous podcasts. And what was actually refreshed about yesterday as well was that we, we weren't talking about the football, but we haven't been talking about the football much over the last 18 months, two years, but that's been about crap things or about technical things we don't really understand. We weren't talking about the football yesterday because we were talking about the end of Mike Ashley and yeah. we are talking about that today because it's something different. So that's a, that for me was almost what was more refreshed about this. We don't have to think about the team being crap we'll get back to that a week on Sunday and hopefully they can improve but for now it's just right this seems to be a positive moment and let's grasp it looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. George, you, you were saying you spoke to Amanda Stavely last night. Was was there anything new or any any new information that came from that conversation that you want to share with us? Yeah, so I've um, so I did that. So she was she was um, she's been holed up and um, in Jesmond for the last two or three days. <clears throat> Some of that in in secret, um, and was there with her husband, Mirdad Kadusi, and was joined by Jamie Rubin to the other uh, other part of the of the uh, consortium, along with PIF, obviously, and she was doing all her media media interviews and I went in I went in last at the end of the day and um she was obviously very tired by that point I mean she she said to me at one point um 
was the effect of um yeah and i really must make sure that i don't over promise because um I'm, I'm just really conscious of not doing that i've seen that happen in the past and it's failed and i, I was kind of silent for a minute and i said that you know there are literally headlines on sky sports news at the minute you saying that newcastle are going to win the premier league within five years and compete with man city and psg and you're you're saying you don't want to over promise and she said did i say that Oh, it's been a, oh, right. It's been a long day. Yeah. Um, and uh, but she said, you know, she said the, the important thing to caveat those sorts of big, big headlines that we've seen is that it will take time. And yeah. that this isn't going to be about throwing money at the club. I mean, she said to me, we have deep pockets, which in itself is a pretty sort of astonishing thing to hear. But everything they do will be process driven is what they describe. It is day one. I mean, this this has to go as day one. So they were asking me questions about players. They were asking me questions about management. They're still at this point that they're sort of trying to take in information. And I know people might not believe this, but the way they say it is that yes, we've had the we've had access to the data room at Newcastle. We know what the financial situation is. They don't know the people. They haven't met the people. They haven't. And as we're recording. Um, Staveley and 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 Mirdad Gadusi are just arriving at St James's Park now, where they're where they're going to um, going to be meeting people. The way that they're going to operate and the way that PIF always operate, they say, is in a very very deliberate fashion. So they will be doing a full audit of every sort of section at the club. They know that everywhere inside the club needs investment and they'll do it but it's going to take time so for example just one little detail this wasn't from a direct quote but it was from a conversation that i was having last night they know the training ground needs to be rebuilt or relocated and started again but when you consider what that means it's about getting in architects and designers it's finding the land it's doing all that sort of stuff and although they might have some general ideas about that it will literally take years that will take years so their first priority, you know so if, when it comes to the training ground the first priority will be improving what they already have so there's all that sort of stuff so we we're not talking about a situation where antonio conte is is lined up she did have a conversation with steve bruce uh, yesterday a very brief one introducing herself and that kind of thing. I mean, the way that they were phrasing it is, um, you know, no decisions on anything, but our our sort of information is that, you know, he's going sooner rather than later, and I would put money on sooner. My, my expectation is that Graham Jones would be put in caretaker charge, but see Bruce is going sooner rather than later. What happens after that? They don't know, so we don't know. Lee Charnley, again, they've had conversations, but they were going in to meet him today. Um, again, what we've been told is that he'll be there, providing he agrees for for a few weeks, to be the handover between the regimes. But Staveley and uh, and and Gadusi will be running the club. They are the asset managers. And she said to me, "If we don't get it right, we won't be doing that for very long." So they're under pressure to make it work. Other things that I would like to sort of drop in, and I would obviously love you to to read this piece. One of the things that she said to me was, "Why isn't Alan Shearer statue?" on the inside of St. James's Park. Why is that? And that will change. Wow. Where is the representation of Kevin Keegan at the stadium? I'll let you into a, well, we, the, the, my piece hasn't gone up yet, but Shearer, Shearer came down to the hotel to, she didn't meet Staveley because she was still doing her media stuff, but met Jamie Rubin and, and Mirdad Gadusi and they're talking and that's just fantastic. That's you know, brilliant. that's just fantastic to know. Yeah. Um, and you know, who knows? Perhaps there'll be a role for 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 Alan at some point. Same with same with Keegan. And 
those things to me are really, really profoundly, profoundly important they are, and, yeah. encur- and, and encouraging. And there's loads more that I could say, but please, you know, please read the piece. They, they want to invest in all parts of the club. And yeah, we're in for an incredibly exciting time. We are. Um, yeah, like George says, if you want to, to find out more detail about the, the, the conversations with Amanda Stavely, and also there's, there is tons of content which has dropped in the last 24 to 48 hours from George and Chris and other sources, Matt Slater as well. Get yourself onto uh, theathletic.com and check that out. It's the, There's going to be loads more to come as well, so make sure you get on there and check it out. If you want to really remember the Mike Ash era, I know you probably want to put that out of your mind, but actually Michael Walker's piece on there is superb. Oh, yeah, right. great, great piece. I mean, I've covered, obviously, the club. I had forgotten so much as what happened. Obviously, we know about the headlines, but if you go through it, it's just astonishing. And also, yeah. the, the, the key point that you take from it from the very start is it didn't have to be this way. Yeah. At the start, it wasn't this way, Mike Ashley. It didn't have to be this way. His decisions made it turn out the way that it was. Sorry, the, the other thing that's very important for me to uh, to say at this point, and you know, I d- hope people don't do vomit in their own mouths when I say this, but um, Staveley has said that fans are front and centre of everything. And the last time that I'd spoken to her at, you know, for an interview was when was on the day that it all collapsed. And she was she was in tears tears that day. They they both were actually, and um, and she said that she didn't know what to do. But she also came out with that quote that um, it's up to Newcastle fans now. You know, if you want this to happen, you've got to you know tell the Premier League you want it to happen. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And my my goodness, Newcastle fans did respond, and they mobilised, and there were you know huge petitions, and through the work of the supporters' trust in particular getting that message across to, to politicians and so on and so forth. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that that is the reason that the deal has happened, but it it is part of the story about this takeover that there was huge pressure and then it did become political pressure. And so she, she has said that fans will be front and centre to everything that they do. Obviously, we have to, you know, we have to see that in action, and that's very important. And it's not just about words. She's made a particular point of praising the supporters' trust, and that you know the team there for the supporters' trust is fans. Let's not, you know, it's yeah, a democratic, yeah. a democratic organisation. Um, and she says that she's looking forward to working with them. And I, again, you know, the proof will be in the pudding with all of these things, of course. But again, it's just so encouraging to hear that because. You know, it is it is one of the biggest cliches that I could possibly say, but the very definition of a club is a group of people. And really that group of people is the supporters because they're the people who care. They're the people for, for whom this club means something. They invest their hope and their money into this club. Therefore, they make it exist. And that gets lost in the um, 21st century or whatever century this is now because it because it feels like it's only ever about money. Um, and of course, we're seeing that kind of writ large at the moment in terms of Saudi and stuff. But if they're as good as their word and fans are front and centre of of everything, then what a sea change that will represent. Absolutely. Uh, ultimately, from a from a Newcastle United perspective, this this moment uh, is is not as much about who's bought the club, but who's sold it. And you know, we've had to endure fourteen years of nonsense and double think and unfilled promises and all of that sort of stuff. And as much as we don't want to give him any airtime, this is what Mike Ashley had to say on the last day of the 2014-15 season. 
Well, we, it, on the only positive, I think, we've got the club on a very sound financial footing. So we are able to spend relatively and punch above our weight now with the current financial situation the club finds itself in. But, that, but that, unfortunately, I'm going to add to that, that that isn't really good enough. So it's no good having the horse and cart scenario. And we may have the cart financially, but we now need to bolt the horse on, and we're going to. What's your ambition for the club? It's now going to be definitely to win something. And by the way, I shan't be selling it until I do. The club is not for sale? Not at any price. And by the way, when I say win something, if we ever get in a position that we get a Champions League place, that also qualifies as winning something. <sighs> Turn this off. Today, we don't need to be unlucky. <laughs> Not today, but from this day forward, we'll definitely be making our own luck. Oh, my God. To be categorically clear, I'm not going anywhere until we win something. He never found that fucking horse, did he? he never found... <laughs> it was gone. That's it was gone. bollocks in that, wasn't there? There was an awful lot of bollocks in that. I mean, that was essentially his first and last broadcast interview regarding Newcastle United, and that was eight years into his tenure. But now he's gone. And now we can start thinking about the future without Mike Ashley. And that, to me, feels so good to be able to say that, Chris. Yeah, that that for me is, and I think that's why there was such a release on Thursday night, seeing war flags outside the ground, war flags are going to come back to St. James's. Amazing. Yeah. So they're, they're a sort of sim- they basically symbolise, I know that was only sort of the end of the 2018-19 the, the season when they, when they stopped being there, but so many fans have walked away and so many fans now seem as if they're going to give the club another chance, they're going to come back. And last weekend was so deflating in many ways, speaking to people, it felt like, that, that, that so many were just about to give up and so many, it was it, it had reached that point of apathy and just to see that sort of rekindling of joy that rekindling of emotion building up as George said it's a club that's what this is it's about community it's about us going and seeing people who we know and spending match day together talking about the game and having a pint in the pub after the game and you know just just being proud of your city and your region and hopefully hopefully that is at least what people can dream of again. Absolutely. They will get things wrong, the new owners, and it may not turn out how we all hope that it might. But equally, it's it's a fresh start. It's something different. Ashley, under Ashley, it was never going to change. It was only ever going to get worse. So we just have this new fresh start, and it's great. I, I Go on. Sorry, George. I was just going to say, I have to I have to admit to feeling slightly emotional. Um, last night, I, I it suddenly struck me that after nearly four years of not going to St. James's Park and not going to matches, I'm going to be able to take my little boy to the game again. You can tell you that. And that, to me, is is massive more than anything because he's asked me so many times of why we don't go to the match anymore. And you try to explain it to a kid who's 10-year-old that, you know, as a fan, your only power is to withhold your funding to the club if you're unhappy with the way things are going. It doesn't go into a 10-year-old head. They don't understand. They want to go and see their heroes. They want to go and see players wearing the black and white shirt and scoring goals at the Gallagher end and all that. It, so it struck me last night, and I have to admit, I got a bit teary, and I'm getting a bit emotional now just thinking about it again. Good lad. But Good lad. I can't wait to take to take the boy back to the stadium, and I can't wait to walk out there on that first game and hear the crowd and see his little face. It's going to be incredible. And they've just announced that um, Tottenham is sold out. Yeah, you've got me going, Taylor. You know, so Sorry, um, I, th- I think you know we are in this very complicated reality now. Um, but then again, the complicated realities is not a is not a new point um, for Newcastle, is it? Because we've had we've had complications surrounding us for for years and years and years. But yeah, this is this is the start of something else, and I think that is to be embraced. 
we've got a big long journey in front of us now normally normally i'm trying very hard not to get um set off taylor but normally we try we try (laughs) we try and end our podcasts with um reasons to be cheerful or reasons to be positive so i'm going to do the opposite i'm now going to give us a reason to be negative because i am one contrary bastard (laughs) yes you are and this isn't a big thing but it is one little thing that emerged last night so for now at least the sports direct signage is going to remain at st james's park i'm told so um this is not going to be a a long-term thing in fact i was told it will be a short-term thing but as part of the deal it's not coming down right now so um we're not going to get i don't think uh people going into the stadium and taking those signs down immediately which is a bit of a shame because i think in terms of um optics to use that word again that would have been pretty good but it will happen it will happen but um not you know not quite yet uh, I, I know i know ollie's getting our producer you can't hear is getting twitchy because he said to finish recording at half 11 and we're already one minute past that i just <laughs> wanted to say something though that that just to let you know how long this thing has been going on for before the athletic launched in the uk before i even accepted the job when i spoke to george when he approached me and said that this whole new website which i hadn't heard of and an app was going to launch here George told me on that day, and that was, I think, early June, maybe late May in 2019, that this was that this was on the cards. We then, over the course of the next few months, had, oh, you know, something might happen. Boxing Day 2019, I was going across, I think, Newcastle playing Man United away. George calls me and says, be on red alert. This could happen at any time. Then, obviously, we get to January. The story comes out uh, across in the US and then we get to March and the agreement finally is in place in April 2020 and here we are it was the 7th of October 2021 when it finally happened Remember so the persistence persistence there you go absolutely well I, I think chaps it's 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 time to wrap this up um thank you for for your, for your time I know that you were both ridiculously busy at the minute and I know we are, you're going to be over the next few days as well Make sure you get onto theathletic.com and and check out all of the stuff that's dropping on there. There's going to be stuff dropping every day uh, around the takeover and about Newcastle United. Make sure that you check that out. There's not really an awful lot else to say, is there, apart from that's it, he's gone. Mike Ashley's gone. 14 years of his tenure are over. The club is now owned by the consortium, PCP, PIF and the Rubin Brothers. And we look forward to a new era and a new dawn at Newcastle United. It's going to require some patience from fans, like we've said already today. Nothing's going to be happening incredibly quickly. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens. We'll be back next week to dive into this even more and to talk about whatever's happened between now and then, because God knows what's going to happen between now and, and, and next week. So we'll we'll be back uh, back in your ears. And thank you all for, for listening to this extra episode. And thank you for tuning in to Pod on the Tine every week. It means the world to us that you're listening. Thanks a lot, chaps. Thanks, Chris. Uh, and thanks, George. Um, George, you, you need to get some more sleep, mate. Seriously, I'm worried about you. Yeah, just... Have an early one tonight. Try and take a try, try and take a couple of nice relaxing tablets. <laughs> I, I've not had a drink. I've not had a drink yet. Well, I've let's not, change um, that. Then, yeah, yeah, Friday night. It's Friday night, and we need to get together and have a drink as well. Don't we? we absolutely do. Yeah, we absolutely do. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll speak to you again soon on Pod on the Time. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye.
Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.